presence is always the same. The Bible says that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Go ahead and turn the music up a little bit louder. I just ask you to reach your hands to the heavens and ask the Holy Spirit to, to shine down on your heart right now. Just ask the Holy Spirit to, to move your heart with compassion. Ask the Holy Spirit to move inside your heart, to move inside your life with passion for his word, passion for his life, passion for him to reside on the inside of you. Right now, just reach to the heavens and ask God to show you his face. Come on, just sing to him this morning. to shine your life in here this morning, God. We ask for the Holy Spirit to have the room this morning. Father, I pray that you, sh- you show your love, show your mercy this morning, God. Many of us are coming from different things that are going on in our lives, and some of it's hard and some of it's rough, but your mercies are new every day. Holy Spirit, we don't want to just have an experience. We want to live a life that's yielded to your presence and yielded to your word and yielded to who you are, that we give our life to you. We don't just say a, say a quick prayer and, and say that's, that, that calls us saved. Lord, we, we, we take up our cross daily and we yield ourselves to your presence, God. Holy Spirit, this morning, I thank you for your wonder-working power. I thank you for miracle signs and wonders. I thank you for the goodness of God every day. Father, we just humble our hearts before you and yield to your presence, Lord. Guys, just yield to him right now, just in your own way. Whatever that looks like for you, just say, God, I humble my heart before you. I humble my heart. I humble my heart. You're not going to get anywhere if you're trying to do things for God. You have to submit to him. You have to come to him in humility. Father, we release ourselves to you, Jesus. Have your way in us, Jesus. Have your way in us, Jesus. We don't want to get caught up in doing Christian things. We want to be a true Christian God. Holy Spirit, as I share this message this morning, I pray that each one of us makes more than enough room for Jesus to have our life. 
that we understand that the purpose of the gospel has been planned from the very foundations of the world, that, that Jesus was always the purpose. Jesus was always the reason. Jesus was everything, Lord. And the song says, worthy is the, is the lamb that was slain. Worthy is the Lord. Worthy are you, God, because that is what we're going to be singing in heaven, Lord, as we, as we behold your beauty, Lord. I ask right now that we get caught up in your glory, in your presence, in the manifest presence of God this morning, God. I pray that it starts to transform us, Lord, that we're not just looking at our situation, but we're looking at you, the answer to every situation, God. I ask this morning that we find ourselves in a, in a humble place of, of yielding to your presence, Jesus, because without your presence, we have nothing. Your presence is what gives us the strength. Your presence is what gives us the hope. Your presence is what gives us the fight to go on, Lord. Your presence is what gives us and moves us, Lord, moves our hearts to do the things you want us to do, God. I pray this morning for just a powerful move of your anointing to move in each heart, God. I thank you for your presence, Lord. I thank you for who you are. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody said, amen. Maybe seated the graphic up there. Thank you. I was, I was, I'd spent a lot of time in prayer. Um, can I get the graphic up there, please? I spent a lot of time in prayer in, on, on a daily basis because I believe that God wants us to communicate to him. 24 7 the bible says in all you do do it is under the lord so that means that i need to the bible also says pray continually so everything that i do i talk to jesus about it because i think it's so important to have jesus be the leader of my life like i don't want to take i don't want to take authority over god i want god to have full authority over me and it, it's important that we understand that when we start to take the authority out of god's hands he's such a gentleman and he'll let you take the authority because he wants your act of giving him your, your permission is an act of worship. Giving him your permission to be God in your life, saying, God, be the Lord of my life, is giving him permission. It's an act of worship to allow God to be the supreme authority over your life. See, many times we can say, God, I give you my life, and then we go out and we do our thing outside of church, and we don't live like a Christian outside of church. We only live like Christians when we're in this room or when we're, we're with our parents or when we're with someone else that is, says they're a Christian. And I'm asking you guys this, that, that like I know this because I've lived a life like that where it was kind of two face double-sided where I was doing one thing one day and another thing another day so I know what it's like I'm not up here saying that I, I've never done anything like that I'm saying that this is a common de common denominator of, of most people's lives is they live with one with a facade and so Jesus Jesus is the story of Jesus is the story of the purpose of God the gospel of Jesus is the story of the purpose of God for each one of us and I want to prove it to you through scripture that the the, 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 the the birth of Jesus. See, I'm doing a Christmas message the, the, the weekend after Christmas because we didn't have youth last week. But the, the title of this message is Room for Jesus, the Gospel Christmas Story. See, Jesus was born in a time in Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. It says, During those days, the Roman Emperor Caesar Augustus ordered that the first census be taken throughout his empire. And so they, they did a, a, a full census. So Joseph would be uh, uh, Jesus' uh, father and Mary's husband. Or, or and here it says that Joseph, his, um, Mary's fiancé, they left Nazareth and, and a, a village in Galilee and journeyed to their hometown of Judea, to a village of Bethlehem, King, King, David, King David's ancient home. They, are, they were required to register their, their, um, since they both were direct descendants of David. So if you understand lineage, if you understand like 
like uh, names that begot names, like, like father, son, father, son, that Jesus came from the lineage of King David back in the Old Testament. If you, if you read in the Old Testament, you, you'd see that King David was uh, one of the kings. He was, one of the, he was after Saul. So Mary was pregnant and, and nearly ready to give birth. It says this, when they arrived in Bethlehem, Mary went into labor as she gave birth to the firstborn son. After wrapping the newborn baby in striped cloth, they laid him in, in, in a feeding trough since there were no available spaces in the upper room. Everybody say the upper room. Say the inn. The nice hotel. The five-star hotel. It's got all the amenities you might need. Right? So there was no room for Jesus in the nice hotel. So they put him down in a manger. They put him down in a barn. They're like, no, we don't have room for you here. Go down there. And so he was born in a barn. Every, and it says this. It's room from the upper room in the village. Everyone had to travel to his or her hometown to complete the mandatory census. So Jesus is traveling in, via mom's stomach to where his parents were, were born. And they were born in Bethlehem. And so they traveled from where they were at to Bethlehem. So that, and then while they were traveling, Mary was going to give birth. Jesus was going to be born, right? And so because there was no room in the inn or in the, or in the upper room or in the five-star hotel or with all the amenities, they say they sent Jesus to be born in a manger. See, because I think Jesus was trying to show us something that he's not all about the, the flash and the lights, that he's about being humble. He's about being yielded. He's about being submitted to his father. And, and sometimes when we see Christianity, we see a, a thing where we think we have to have it all together. We think we have to have it all figured out. But God just wants you to be workable. God just wants you to be humble. God just wants you to, to be like that barn, to be like that place where, where, where literally all of, of the, the, the property functions and is worked through that one building. All the tools are in there. All the, all the things that help work the land. All the things that help clean the building. All the things that, that help work things out are in that place. And so I'm telling you this, that if you keep in a, a place in your heart where you're workable and you allow Jesus to move in and you allow Jesus to be birthed in your life, he starts to work things out inside of you. You don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to have the five-star hotel. You don't have to have everything together. All you have to be is humble and all you have to be is yielded. Do you have room for Jesus in your inn? See, the Holy Spirit shared this with me on 11-11-2020, about a month ago. It says, Jesus was not welcome in the inn when he was born. His mother Mary and her husband Joseph were only able to attain a humble stable or barn to be born in. This is a picture of our lives. It's hard for Jesus to move into a five-star hotel who has all the things that the world has to offer. But Jesus will move right into those who find themselves in humility and in need of a care of a Savior. The barn is the heartbeat of the farm. Everything that, it, everything that is needed to, to take care of the farm is in the barn, the tools, the animals, the feed. Jesus desires to move into your soul and become, the one, become one with your spirit living in your holy temple. If you break down the word Bethlehem in the Hebrew root meaning. See, I, I think sometimes we just read the word and we don't understand how purpose it all is. I know for me, I've read this a billion times. I can't even tell you how many times I've read Luke 2. Talking about the birth of Jesus. Talking about how he was born in Bethlehem. Never even thought about it. Bethlehem, whatever, right? And all of a sudden I'm reading it and I see Bethlehem and the Lord says, what does it mean? 
So I was like, I don't know. Let's look it up. So I looked it up, and Bethlehem actually means this. If you break down the, the um, I'm going to show you guys on my iPad. If you break down the letters, if, can you guys see this? Some of you? Okay. If you break down the letters, each, each letter has a, a symbol. And each one of those symbols means something. So I'm breaking down the word, and each one of these, these symbols break down the word Bethlehem. Does that make sense? Okay, so, so this, is, this is actually getting into the word and actually like really chewing on it and really getting into what it's saying. So Bethlehem, so Bet, B-E-Y-T, it's a symbol, and it says son of God. Then Yud is uh, to work a mighty deed. Then Tav is it to seal a covenant sign of the cross. Then Lamed is, is to have authority. Chet, which is to provide sanctuary or safety. Mem, it's just living water. So if you take each one of those uh, uh, symbols that have meaning with the word Bethlehem and you break it down and you put it into a sentence it says this the son of God is going to be is going to do a mighty deed this deed will be will seal a covenant and be identified with the sign of the cross the son of God has the authority to provide a sanctuary of safety where he will give those who have received him the water of eternal life The very location, the very location where Jesus was born spells out the gospel. The very location where Jesus was birthed spells out the gospel. I'm telling you that God purposed him to be born in that specific spot. That God used the government of the day to have them do a census so the parents had to go, go, go to get, their, get counted where they were from and so that Jesus would be born in a humble place, in a manger, in a humble place. Are, are you that place? Are you that humble person? Are you that person that says, God, I am in need of? God, I have lots of work to do. God, I need your tools in my barn. I need, I need your work in here. I need you to till the heart of my gar- the garden of my heart. I need you to show me who you are. Are you that place? Is that in your heart? Like, like, or do you just kind of get to a place where you're, you're, you're apathetic to the gospel? You're apathetic to Jesus, meaning apathetic meaning you just really don't care. Apathetic, like, eh, I can take it or leave it. I'm talking about a place where, like, you, you were all fired up at camp, and now you're just kind of like, I don't know what happened. I'm going to tell you what happened. What happened was is you fell out of intimacy with God. What happened was is you stopped, you stopped pursuing him and started pursuing you. What happened was is you became that five-star hotel. I got it all figured out. I don't need God to work on my heart. I'm telling you this because I know what it's like. I grew up in church. I know what it's like to go to camp, get fired up, and then fall away. I know what it's like to have moments, seasons in my life where I'm just completely fired up on Jesus and I'm always pursuing Him. I'm always going after Him. And then I just, I just pump the brakes for a second. And I allow some sin in my life. And I allow something to, to, dis, to distract my, my focus, to distract the affections of my heart. No longer are the affections of my heart going on to Jesus, but they're going on to what I want, what I desire, what I think I need, what I want to fulfill, whatever I feel is empty in my heart. See, the pursuit of Jesus, when you, when, when you prayed the prayer, that's not the magic ticket. The magic ticket is a daily life of, of submitting your life to Jesus. You could pray the prayer and then go back and live like crazy. I mean, how many of us have done that? We've prayed the prayer and then we go and we do our own thing. We've prayed the prayer and then we go and we hang out with our friends. We prayed the prayer and we did what we did in, in our room when no one was looking. We prayed the prayer and we went and we hung out with people we shouldn't have been hanging out with. We prayed the prayer and then we, I mean, come on. I'm, my hand's up with yours. 
Like, I'm with you guys on this. Like, I'm not just like, I'm not talking at you and saying you guys are horrible. I'm saying, hey, we were all in this together, right? But I'm telling you the secret, the secret to a walk with God is humility and intimacy with God. When I say intimacy, I mean closeness. I mean, I mean, I mean being vulnerable with God, being real. Like, how many of you guys, like, we have things that we hide, we don't talk about, we just keep in the back, collecting dust, no one hears, no one sees, no one knows. But if you just say, God, what about that? God, I, you know, this, this, I was a victim here, or, or I did this purposely, or I ran to this sin, or I ran to this, and, and, and God, I, I, I can't do it on my own. God, I, I. I can't figure this out. Like, every time I try to get away from it, it's like a magnet and it pulls me right back. Like, I, I don't know why I do this. Paul, Paul even said, he said, why do I do the things that I don't want to do, but I don't do the things that I really want to do? And he says, but for the grace of God. See, see, Paul knew something when he was writing that in, in, in Romans. He knew that, they, that, that the only way that he could walk out the call of God is through closeness and intimacy with Jesus and knowing that he has to be in pursuit of God every day. The Bible says to pray continually. It's not when you feel like it or when you're in need. Many of us go to God because we have a need. Not just because we want him. But I'm going to tell you that if you, if you understand that you have him, you have everything. See, here's the thing. We, li- we constantly live in a place of, of knowing that we have nothing, but knowing that we have everything. See, because in me is nothing. In what I want is nothing. In what I want is temporary. But in him is everything. In him is all that I need. He, he provides all of my needs. He provides, he sustains me in every season, every circumstance of my life, in every place that I'm in. See, the gospel of Jesus is the Christmas story of the greatest gift of Jesus. Moving into our humble lives and us getting real and saying, that, that thing back in the corner needs to go, God, and I don't know how to do it, but you do. So I'm just going to look at you and I'm going to wait for you just to take that and pull it out of my heart. Because the thing is, is the only thing that, that the Bible says in James, it says that the only thing that causes you to sin is the deceitfulness of your heart. So if you're doing things that, that aren't of God, then you're, it's, it's what you already have a desire to do. And your desires haven't changed because you haven't fully submitted to God. Because the Bible says submit to God and then resist the devil. If you submit to God, the devil is automatically resisted. It's a pursuit of God and submitting, saying that, that desire, that want, that hunger for, for fleshly things, that hunger for sin, that hunger for whatever it is, is, is there. I acknowledge it, God, and I don't want it. I want you. See, are you in pursuit of things you for you or are you in pursuit of him? Are you in pursuit of him? Are you, are you looking to the hills where your help comes from? See, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20, who wants to turn there and read it out loud? 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20. Got to say it loud so everybody can hear. You got this. I'm so proud of you, Anna. Chapter 6, verse 19 to 20. 
if Jesus doesn't seem to fit in your lives, it's because your life is not yours. If you want to find your lives, you must lose your life in him. According to Luke 9, 9.24. See, your body is a temple. Your body is like a house. Each one of you is like a house. And we have to empty ourselves out to be filled with him. Any selfish need or any selfish desire that's outside of him only promotes the things of the flesh. And the flesh is, 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 can never be craved. It can never be fulfilled. It'll always crave more. It'll always want more. It'll always want the next. It'll always want to up the ante. It'll always want more. It'll never be satisfied. You'll never fulfill your heart by seeking things in a sinful nature. You'll always want more. You'll always want the next step. You'll always want the next thing. You'll always pursue. You'll always start here and, and pursue. People talk about like drugs. They talk about different things. They talk about like gateway drugs. They talk about like, like you started here and then you went here and then you went here and all of a sudden you're like strung out on something crazy and you don't even know what happened. All you know is you're just in pursuit of whatever you really want. If you've watched and even watched those intervention shows, I mean, this, it's, it's so sad. These, these folks, they literally steal from their grandmothers or their parents to get a little bit of money so they can get a little bit of drugs to fix, get that fix. Because the flesh is always hungry. And you have to kill the flesh so that you can walk in the spirit that God wants you to walk in, what he paid for. What does it say? It says this, you are not your own. You were bought with a price, therefore honor God with your bodies. You're not your own. See, many times we pursue things because we want it, we desire it, and sometimes even our Christian pursuits are actually fleshly pursuits. Meaning this, I do this, I do that to get noticed. I pursue this, I do this act, this Christian act. I serve at church. I, I, I go and I serve in the parking lot team. I serve on the worship team. I, I, I do whatever I do to get noticed, to, get, to feel like I'm a part of something. To feel, but like the thing is, is when, you're, when your heart is to, to feel connected to something, you, you disregard the fact that you're already connected to Him. See, our pursuit has to change. Does Jesus fit in your room? Does Jesus fit on the, the end of your heart? Does Jesus fit? Is, are you the humble barn? Are you the humble manger? Are you the humble place where Jesus can be birthed inside your heart? Or are you the upper room in the inn, the five-star hotel? See, in Isaiah 53, um, verses 5 through 6, it says this, But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. If you, th- if you pierce for our transgressions and crush for our iniquities, piercing of our transgressions is the outer affliction of sin. So that's like health problems, sickness, those kind of things. The, the, the crush for our iniquities, that's the internal stuff inside your heart where you've been hurt, you've been wronged. You've done something that's wronged your own body. So Jesus didn't just pay for, pay for like the outer afflictions of your life, but he also paid for the inner uh, iniquities, inner things that are going on inside your heart, inside your spirit, inside your mind. Jesus paid for it all. So he came, he came to redeem it all. If, you're, if you find yourself constantly struggling with the same thing, then you, then you haven't fully submitted it to God. 
And when the enemy comes to call you out on what, what you were before, then that you, you have to take the, the authority of the word of God and say, that's not who I am. This is who I am. You use the word as a sword to, to cut the enemy's face off. Tell him to shut up. You cancel his words with the word. You say, I hear your words, but your words are lies. This word is the truth. This is who I am. I am not that. Yes, I did do that back in the day, but that's not me anymore. I was born again. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. I don't walk how I used to walk. I walk how God has called me to walk. I submit my heart to God. When temptation comes, you go, that's not my temptation. That's not mine. I don't claim that. That's not me. I don't want that. Right? And sometimes you, you, might, you might need to, to call a friend and say, maybe you pray for me. I just, I'm feeling like I'm struggling in my heart right now. I feel like I, 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 I just can't do it. I need help. And you call a friend and a friend prays with you. And hopefully that friend is, is a good friend and is not going to go talk about all your stuff from everybody else. But, but you, you call this friend and this friend stands with you in agreement with prayer and you guys are, you are the body of Christ. It's important that we stand together. It's important that we don't isolate ourselves. Because when you isolate yourself, you get picked off. It's important that when you actually are going through something inside your heart, you don't hide it. You don't isolate it because it gives room for the enemy to destroy you. The enemy prowls around. Hear the words. The word, the word is so powerful. The prowls around like a roaring lion. He is not a lion. He convinces you through your insecurities and your fears that he is stronger than what God has paid for. When you make agreement with what the enemy says about you, you give him more power. You give him more authority. You give him more reason to stay there. You give him a place to play. You give him a reason to hang out. If, you, if, you, if he comes to your door and he knocks on your door, and the only one that answers it is Jesus because you're fully yielded to Jesus. He has no place there. But if you only give Jesus that back room in your house, your body, and everything else, you got room for everything else. You got room for party time. You got room for, for your internet time. You got room for, for this. You got room for that. You got room for this. And then you got the Jesus room way back in the back, back, back. That only comes out on Sundays. And, and, you have, and then, the, then the Satan comes to the door and he knocks on the house to your heart. And, and you just get whooped. Because Jesus can't defend you in the back room. But when you give Jesus the whole house, you, the deed, the keys, everything about, everything that, that the house is, you give it to Jesus. When you give it to him, he answers the door and he defends you. And he defends you because, because it's his house. He owns it. Your body is not yours. You are not yours. You are his. So when the enemy comes, you just say, I'm not mine. I'm Jesus's. You have no authority here. Leave. I love Jesus. See, I don't, I don't, I, I've said this before, I've said this many times, I don't try not to sin. I don't try not to, to do the right thing. I don't try not to do the wrong thing. I, 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 just, I just love Jesus. And in my love and pursuit of Jesus, the right thing starts to happen. It starts to, to show up every day because my heart is going after him. I don't want to go sin. I don't wake up and go, oh, I'm just going to try not to do this today. 
I'm going to try to just try to like not make, I'm, not, I'm going to try so hard to not sin. I'm going to try so hard to not do this. I, I, I've tried that before. And what actually happens is I wear myself out. And in the wearing of myself out, I actually end up doing the sin. Because I'm resisting the devil on my own strength. But I want to understand that my resisting is in my humility to Jesus. In my submission to Jesus. The enemy has no power. He has no authority. I want to ask you this morning, are you, or what are you? Are you, the, are you the, the five-star hotel that has it all figured out? You don't need any help? You're good? Are you apathetic in your heart? You can take it or leave it. Don't really care. Like, like when there's moments of worship, you just would rather ignore everything and just kind of sit there and, and wait for it to be over. When, when, when you're walking through your day, you just feel the Holy Spirit say something to your heart and you're like, yeah, no, no, no. I'm doing this. When you come to youth and, and, and the presence of God is just amazing and you, and you can kind of feel it, but like your, your heart's so drained from, from life that you submit to that over the presence of God. See, God wants your problems. How many times have, have, we, have you tried to figure them out? How many times have you tried to not fail? Does it work? The pressure, the performance. I'm telling you that it's so much easier to say, Jesus, I love you. I submit to you. I yield to you. That desires in my heart. And David said this. He said, search my heart, O God. Whatever's in it is none of you. Please take it out. Soften my heart to your presence, God. Make me a humble person. Lord, I yield to you. I submit to you. I, I, I don't want to figure this out. I don't want to try harder. See, even Eve, when she was being tempted by the serpent to eat of the fruit, it was the fruit of knowledge of good and evil. Her having the knowledge to know what good and evil is instead of the fruit of life which sustains you and gives you all things you need. See, when we, when we do things on our own without God, we actually take of the fruit of knowledge of good and evil just like Eve did. It's that temptation. I don't need God. I need this. Because what did what does the serpent say? He said, God doesn't want you to have that because he doesn't want you to be like him. If you understand that you have him, you're already like him. You have everything that you need. You don't need anything. The biggest lie of the enemy is to convince you that you're in lack. The biggest lie of the enemy is to convince you that you're in need of something. That you, that you lack in a certain area and you have to have this or have that to make your life feel fulfilled. The biggest lie of the enemy is to, te- is to convince you that you're bored. It's to convince you that you're in lack of. It's to convince you that you don't have what you, you think you want and, and, or you see somebody else and you're envious of what they have and you want that as well. But I'm telling you right now, there's way more fulfillment in beholding and intimacy with Jesus than there is anywhere else. Because Jesus said, 
if you drink of me, you'll never thirst again. Taste and see that the Lord is good. It's an experience of life yielded to the presence of God, asking Holy Spirit to be the Lord of your life. What does the Lord of your life mean? It means the supreme authority over you, over me, over us. That we understand that we're the body of Christ. And that if I can look at you and see the Jesus on the inside of you, then I can help you stand up a little taller, be a little more strong in your faith, be a little more strong in who God says you are, and not fall into temptation, but fall into closeness with God in community. But when we separate ourselves from the body of Christ, what actually happens is the enemy just nails us. And, and then now we, we, we get caught up in our own thoughts and get caught up in our own thinking and we don't have influence of the body of Christ to, to bring us back into intimacy and closeness with God. See, we're not made to be an island unto ourselves or be someone that's, that's off at the distance. See, I, I find I, my walk with God is based out of my alone time with Jesus. Everything I do is from the secret place. I won't go do something just because it's, it's the good thing to do. When I'm walking around at work, when I'm walking around the mall, when I'm walking around anywhere, I wait for the Holy Spirit to tell me what to do. And I'm like, hey man, how are you doing? God loves you. Huh? I'll pray for you. you anything we pray for? Oh yeah, my whatever. You'd be surprised at how many people are actually hungry for interaction. I, I, I said hi to a guy at the, at, the, at the gas station the other day. I was like, how's your day going? He's like, oh, uh, good. Like, it, it freaked him out. Like, he didn't even know what to do. Because he wasn't used to being acknowledged. He wasn't used to use, use as the gas station guy. But because I showed him some, some, some care and I some thought and I, I asked him how he was doing, he actually felt, like, seen, heard, not ignored. You guys, shining the light of Jesus is so easy. Just be nice. <laughs> just be nice and don't just get so caught up in what you're doing that you don't see that there, there might be an opportunity for God to shine see I'm going to ask you guys this morning are you the barn the manger the place for all the tools and the animals and, and all the things that actually make the whole property function that actually has all the, the ability to keep everything going? Or are you the, the inn, the five-star hotel that has it all together and you don't need anything? That in your inner arrogance that we think we have it all. And then when something breaks, there's nothing there to fix it. So we just add more things to it. And make it seem more appealing. Add another mask to it. Add another this or another that. Or, or, or add something else to it. That, that, that causes us to feel like we have it all together. It's okay to not be okay. I hope you hear that. It's okay to not be okay. Because in that place of not being okay, you can say, Jesus, be the Lord of my life. But it's when you feel like you're okay and you don't need anything, that's when you're really not okay. 
In Joshua 1.9 it says, Have I not commanded you to be strong and, and of good courage? Do not be afraid nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. If you understand that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, that you're a house, you're like a moving house with two legs that walks all over the place. Like you're a moving temple. You walk all around and you house the presence of God. If you understand that, that, that God lives on the inside of your temple, who you are, that wherever you go, he is established as Lord of your life, that wherever you go, you're taking the Lord with you. And you understand that your life is yielded to his presence and yielded to him. And you understand that he is constantly working on your heart. And you understand that wherever you go, you're listening. God, teach me what to do. Show me what to say. Give me, give me, give me the words to, to speak. Give me the understanding that I need to share the gospel. Give me what I need to, to, to love people rightly. Give me, give me what I need to show people that, that, that you love them, that you care about them, that you, that you want intimacy with them. God, I ask right now that you show me, the, give me, and give me the ability. Give me words. Give me words of knowledge. Give me prophecy. Lord, I want to pray for the sick. I want to watch them get well. I want to, I want to do these things. Why? Why do you want to do these things? Because it's God manifesting and, and multiplying his life through your life as a yielded vessel of Jesus. And he becomes the Lord of your life. Go ahead and stand to your feet this morning. I just feel like God is saying that, that he wants to shine his heart on you this morning. Go ahead and put your hands out in front of you. Holy Spirit, I just release the presence of God in, in each person right now. Father, I ask Holy Spirit that you show yourself. That you search our hearts. Everybody say, search my heart, God. Search my heart, God. And say this, say, if there's anything in my heart that's not of you, take it away. I yield to you. Come on, say, I submit to you, God. I give you my heart. I give you my thoughts. I give you my body, my temple. To be used by your hand. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So if any of you guys want prayer, uh, paradise and honor here, um, I'll pray with you. But uh, I, I really believe that, that, that if, if you need prayer, we want to pray with you. But I also want you guys to understand that knowing the truth, the truth, the truth is, is you have all you need in Jesus. The truth is the only thing that says you lack is the world. And if you're looking at what the world says you should have, you're always going to lack. You're always going to want more. But when you have him, come on, everybody say Jesus is everything. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? Does he have your whole life? Does he have all of it? Even that stuff in the back corner that no one sees, right? The stuff that we hide. Like, does he have all of it? Just like take that thing and say, get out of my house. <laughs> I don't want you anymore. I want Jesus, right? Amen? Right, guys, let's give a hand clap to Jesus right now. Let's, not a golf clap, a hand clap. Let's give, give Jesus a hand clap. Father, we thank you this morning for who you are and what you do all the time, every day. Father, we give you the glory, the praise, the honor, the worship. You are worthy and worthy to be praised. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Go and play that first uh, uh, song, and you guys are released to go. If you want to go, if you want to hang, that's cool too.